Hello and welcome to the Dad and Son Sewage and Waste Disposal Facilities. Our names are George Weedman, Liam Edwards, and Matt Visual, and we're here to recycle the garbage of online video game culture into a more friendly and sustainable byproduct, the Dad and Son's podcast audio experience. I know I'm full of garbage. I know you guys have probably got some garbage. Let's hear about everyone's garbage. Wait, are we a toilet? Is that what you're insinuating? We're a, um, a recycling facility to, to you know, make, make the environment a better place, despite all the crap people throw at us. So we take in all garbage video game nonsense and then turn it into some formable, recyclable version of video game garbage again. That'll hopefully be, you know, a more hippy-dippy liberal version of, uh, you know, traditional, regular, ordinary mainstream gaming culture. <laughs> well, we live to serve good old garbage. What garbage have we got on this week, Georgie boy? I got some Crusader King stories, uh, thoughts on Cowboy Bebop. We we had our Worms Armageddon weekend uh, game night with the fans. That was actually amazing. Taking it back to 1999 with Cowboy Bebop and Worms Armageddon. Simpler times. Right. <laughs> Better year. <laughs> we have visual on the visual. Yeah, I'm using an old webcam. I had to set it up. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Hello. we've got a spy cam on in your room. Like we've been watching you for a while. Oh, let me let me get let me put the lotion away. Oh, oh, I uh, <laughs> I I think you might have the bloom um on your HDR slider uh set up an extra notch. You look like you're from an old '90s anime. Man, this is this is one of those. This is the the security cam that I changed into a. Oh yeah, the one you hacked. This is no. <laughs> There's no settings for this thing, man. This is just so what it that's is. That's why it feels like I'm watching the porn I'm into. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you look at the top of the shelves in Matt's webcam, you'll see a slight curvature effect, uh, right? It, that's what I said last week, right? It yes. looks like his monitors are massively curved. Like he has these giant battle station monitors surrounding <laughs> him. Yeah. His chair does look a bit like a captain's chair as well. One of the things that blew my fucking mind about this Cowboy Bebop movie I saw last night is that they draw simulated lens effects like that. I just posted a screenshot of it in um, our Discord channel, but in the scene in the very beginning when the, the convenience store robbery is happening, there's a long shot where you can see the shelves curve as if it's like a live action camera instead of an anime drawing. A good bit of perspective drawing there? It's insane that the quality of animation and in cowboy bebop looks like something that i feel like i'm not seeing in the more modern animes like like the lighting is dark there's grit and texture to everything it's it's not flat and bright no you just don't watch a lot of anime that's what it is I, okay I, but okay. we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because we have to <laughs> announce officially yeah. George has finished an anime and then subsequently watched a movie. Golf clap, everybody, please. I, I finished another anime. I be, uh, last time we did a Gretzko, like, what, two weeks ago? And then there was the big neon Genesis Evangelion last year beforehand? Wait, that was like two years ago. I'm was sure it, it really was. two years ago? I'm pretty sure it was more like one year ago, unless this has really been that bad of a year. Also, have you seen a Gretzko season three since then? No, I haven't. Oh, well, there you go. Me and Matt have. I started. <gasps> Don't let me down, Matt. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
so yeah, I I quite enjoyed Cowboy Bebop. I have seen another one of the like foundational all-time classics, your er anime of uh of the late 90s that that supposedly influenced everything else that came after it. However, I'm like the thing that I think I enjoyed most about it is how it still feels weird and surreal and creative and artsy. It doesn't have so so many of the um tropes that that I feel worn down and and tired of by now. There's no Japanese high school. No Japanese high school whatsoever. Yeah, anime was going through its uh its teenage edgy phase in the 90s. Outlaw Star, Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. Big O, Gundam. Mm-hmm. They were going through the edgy teen phase or the mm-hmm. young adult phase. I remember um as as weird and crazy as Evangelion gets, it's kind of like a, a last five, six episode arc sort of deal. Cowboy Bebop is weird and crazy from the very freaking beginning. It's a crazy ride all the way through, ups and downs, comedy, depression, sadness. So we just finished the Worms Armageddon uh, community night thing that we'd done, which we'll get onto in a bit. And I was testing out Formula One with uh, a couple of people in the Discord. <laughs> and George just chimed in and was like, I finished Cowboy Peep Up. And I was like, do you feel sad? <laughs> I I feel, <laughs> I remember saying it more like, guys, I, I think I just finished Cowboy Peep <laughs> Yeah. Like, just mumbling it really sad and tired. And like wondering what to do for the rest of my night. You did feel a bit hollow. See, this is what happens when you finish anime sometimes. It makes you feel things. It leaves you lost for a couple of hours. Anime can be both a disease, but also great. And in this instance, it's great. I almost wish I did the Bojack thing where I like waited for happier times, but I guess I don't know. I'm we're all trying to make happier times all the time anyway. But yeah, that ending, that ending did get me. It, it actually did get me. I felt pretty bummed. See you later, Space Cowboy. It's in such a weird place of like feeling old and dusty and dated in various ways while also still being visibly weird and creative uh, in a way that still lasts to this day, because so many more tropes and archetypes have been set in stone since then. Why I think I did have some mixed, conflicting opinions going through it. Like, uh, I I wonder how the quality of the translation steps up to what we're seeing nowadays. Because the localization versus the translation versus like voice actor direction i think is a conflict that you can see that's kind of visible here when i switched over from the sub version to the dub version it was because the line i've liked jazz since the day i was born got turned into the line i've liked jazz ever since the doctor slapped me on the butt as a baby which is way more fun but the dub delivery is still wooden and monotone robotic Would like this. anybody say that <laughs> it's quite a common phrase since the day i was born which is more colloquial worldwide than whatever the hell the other thing you just said was the doctor slapping you on the butt sounds less common but also like cool and stylish and appealing or does it not in that instance make you feel like the dialogue is unnatural and less immersive because that's how i feel when i hear stupid lines like that (laughs) It, it makes me realize i'm watching a piece of media because it's like, well, that's not how human beings talk. Okay, oh, okay, okay. The 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 line, 
I think is written fine. The delivery, I think, is wooden and robotic. Mm. And sometimes the progression of the plots was like kind of incomprehensible to me. I had to watch a couple episodes twice. I totally lost the plot of the movie towards the end. No wonder you never finish things. Well, yeah, yeah. It's it's also a problem with how I'm. It's 2020. There's no one over. I never watch things on the couch in the living room with a friend anymore. It's always when I'm rolling around in bed by myself. And that means I probably have a phone in the other hand, which means I get distracted easily, which means I can't pay attention to it as well. Yeah, no, it makes it makes sense. But I also think there is like some legitimate lack of coherency that's partially intentional. And I'm wondering how much of it might have not been. Okay, so for example, do you remember an episode where Faye Valentine is um, trying to watch old tapes she made during her childhood and go back to the locations in the tapes? Yes. Edward is watching them along with her and the tape closes up on a like lion statue at the foot of a temple. And uh, when the camera closes up on the statue, Edward points at it and says, Waterfall! Faye looks at Edward and says, You know where this is? Can you take me there? And Edward shakes her head and says, Waterfall! (laughs) Even though there's not a waterfall on the screen, they go to a junkyard and Edward pulls a watering can out of the junk, pours some water out and points at it and says, Look, waterfall! Faye then kind of looks at the camera, sighs, and goes, That's what I get for following Edward! I'm just like, I can see that Edward is a nonsensical character who's there for like comic relief. But I also like they do things that do pull me out of it sometimes and make me question the logic of these characters. I mean, it's old, (laughs) but it doesn't feel as old as it is. It's so. But that's to its credit, right? Right. To its credit. It has a lot of unique characters that I don't think we've seen archetypes of before and since, like Andy the Cowboy. No, we've seen a lot of Spikes since then, and we've seen a lot of Jet Black since then. But have we seen Andy the Cowboy show up in, in other shows and other properties? Where a guy is, is riding a horse, a farm animal, up elevators into fancy dinner parties, and no, everyone just seems to be rolling with it? No one questions like, like where the horse poops or anything? I mean, anime has ha- does have its fair share of quirky characters that people just tend to allow to exist. I mean, Jojo especially has a lot of those. I mean, literally, Whole Horse himself has is like that. Who's Whole Horse? He's a Jojo villain. Matt, do you know who Whole Horse is? I think that's in the later uh, seasons, right? It's in Stardust Crusaders, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's where I I trailed off a bit, oh, which is supposedly where people like JoJo. <sighs> Mistakes were made. Yeah, Mistakes were made. Dio's died. Oh, you see, yeah, yeah, I wanted to watch that. I'm gonna watch Dio. You should, come watch, back. You should just you should just Google the fight between Jotaro and Dio, and then you'll be like, oh yeah, this is the this is the shit. But I like I want the build up. I want the build up towards it. Yeah, I don't think JoJo's. I I personally don't think JoJo's very good at build up. It's like enemy of the so week, either. and then always the, you have three episodes of fighting Dio in every season towards the end. Changes a little bit when it gets to um, uh, what is it? What, the next one? Really? That's there's a formula to it? No fucking way. Yeah, it's JoJo. It's like villain of the week. 
there's there's Cowboy Bebop's not a villain of the week series. No, I know. Uh, but we were talking of just about quirky NPCs, essentially. Oh man! Speaking of anime, Mob Psycho is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, finished no. two seasons. Thanks, Pat. This is anime power hour. The animation, the story, the deep conversation, amazing. <laughs> What's Mob on. Psycho about? No, the look on no, George's George, face. <laughs> I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you talking shit about Mob Psycho. Mob Psycho is great. <laughs> Mob Psycho is fucking great. That's dude. cool. What's Mob? Uh, tell me about Mob Psycho, Matt. Actually, you know what? No, fuck that. Okay, like Cowboy Bebop is something that I've been <laughs> trying to get into for a while, right? And I, I finally did it. Is this? We're, we're, ah. We only want to hear what you feel about the end. We've gone through the middle. We've done like three episodes on where you were still watching Cowboy Bebop. The end. What do you and the movie? What do you think of the series as a whole? Uh, I know you need to compartmentalize your feelings. Search them. They the will be end, true. I, okay, are you talking about the end of the series or the end of the movie? The end of the series, the movie kind of... Back and forth, I had conflicting feelings as I was going through. Some episodes are better than others. If we're talking about the ending in specific, then we have to talk about how this show wraps up everybody's arc in the first season. There's nowhere else to go from there. There we go. That, that you know, there we go. It does do that. And that's what's very good about it. And also, I think the ending episode is rather masterful, to be honest, in finishing an anime. So I'm interested to hear how you feel about that. But the ending episode also features Vicious, who is a character that's kind of cringy to look at in 2020, because he's like, <laughs> I need this, to Google this. He's, he's a spiky-haired dollar store Sephiroth who uses a katana and shurikens. <laughs> oh, yeah. He looks like a heroin addict. He's supposed to be representative of of like some kind of deep opposite character foil of of Spike, but he doesn't have a whole lot of opportunities to embrace those character qualities of his and ends up kind of just being there to fuck with the hero's girl to motivate him through through the last ending arc. I I was more preferential towards the comedy relief episodes. Still enjoyed that ending. It still got me. Yeah. So that, so that's important. So the bit about Cowboy Bebop you liked was the comic relief part. So when it gets very sad towards the end, it gets a bit wishy-washy in its emotions. You were not on board. And I lose the plot because weird translation combined with deliberately stylized dialogue that deliberately defies genres and doesn't make sense sometimes. Like, like the character of Edward, I think is super duper interesting to think about because like the viewer is going to probably have some kind of explanation in their heads about why this kid is so weird and why kids in the cowboy bebop universe in general are so weird i mean they live in space on like spaghetti western type planets in basically crime syndicates she's clearly a few years uh behind she 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 has a hard time communicating yeah. And uh, it doesn't seem to be on the same page as everyone else in the ship. The other thing I noticed when talking with friends about it is that I don't remember a lot of the first episodes up until the whole crew shows up together. Like once yeah. once Edward, Faye, and I are, are all 
in the soup, I I found things got really, really interesting. It hit that surrealistic, artistic, genre-defying tone. Before then, things were really, really dry, and I had a hard time, like, knowing whether or not to take it as a comedy or not. I think it's supposed to be a bit like that. It's like the Japanese morbid curiosity of humor, like finding humor in the most uh, difficult of situations. There's a lot of that type of humor in anime, I find. Dark Characters humor. have just gone through a terrible time, and they'll still laugh about it. Well, the main protagonist will laugh about it because he's a cool guy. He's a badass. You know, that kind of dealio. I yeah. think, you know, Cowboy Bebop has been incredibly influential across a lot of anime. And you can read between the lines a lot with Cowboy Bebop and be like, oh, that's why a lot of the mid-2000s shonen anime and outside of that periphery did a lot of similar things. There's definitely a lot of influence there. Yeah. I, uh... When when comparing it to Neon Genesis Evangelion, though, I think, like, when going through it, I had an easier time digesting that, because even though it got weirder, Evangelion is a hell of a lot more tropey and, I guess, tightly focused. Tightly f- um, I'm gonna... I'm yeah, gonna I, know, disagree- I know, I know, I know. I'm gonna I disagree know. with you on the tightly focused I, part. I absolutely fucking know. <laughs> But Neon Genesis Evangelion goes from two flavors pretty fast in a disorganized, messy way. Cowboy Bebop goes all over the place in a pretty fast and disorganized and messy way. Yes. But it's short and sweet. And you know a lot about the characters by the end. I like it. It's good. I watched through the movie with the Lebanese friend who was tickled pink because of the, the authentic Arabic spoken in the Morocco scenes. Yeah. And how those characters were not like vilified with a lot of the the stereotyping you see nowadays in the post 9-11 world. And then there's a shot where the World Trade Centers show up. And then I looked at the date the movie came out and it was September 1st, 2001. So it's also one of the last pieces of pre 9-11 media that doesn't engage in a lot of of the islamophobia vilification you see afterwards there's like orientalism in there but not like when when he goes to morocco the camera isn't covered in a piss yellow filter where you hear a lady go in the background and like it looks clean and it looks like a fun tourist destination and it's like exotic and sexy and not scary and crime-ridden and horrible. Uh, and uh, my Lebanese friend really appreciated that. I think a lot of Cowboy Bebop is quite sexy. The backgrounds are sexy. It's, very, it's a lot of sun-drenched. It's, it's quite sun-drenched a lot of the time. I was a big fan of those fighting game backgrounds. The incredibly detailed, grimy grit of, of everything you see in the background is something my eyes were always drawn to. Especially because the lighting is so much more detailed than what i'm used to in most anime which is like flat solid colors and and a lack of of grit and detail so ultimately we've reached the point george did you like it and would you recommend it i did like it don't know if i would recommend it i think it's older than people might give it credit for i think it's also weirder than people might give it credit for and i also think that i i i think a few episodes before edward shows up can be skimmed I noticed that I had very different tastes about what my favorite episodes were compared to other people, like the one about the the crazy clown 
who uh, just kind of shoots people as jazz plays throughout the episode <laughs> felt to me like like uh, g- gun porn without a whole lot of characterization or plot going on. But that was other people's favorite episodes. Yeah, it's very anime eccentric. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. I'm proud of you. You finished an anime again. This is like two this year. That's quite a track record for you. Yeah, it's actually really not that big a deal, and I don't think I'm that bad as everyone shits all over me for all the time. (laughs) Look, I don't finish games, you don't finish anime, and Matt just finishes both of them. So that's the dynamic. we got to keep it rolling. Matt, what game have you finished this week? I... You must have finished at least 10 games. No, I almost finished Omen Sight. Omen Sight. Oh, and it's always something I gotta look up. You you are capable of this. Yeah, man. That's the only thing that makes me feel something anymore. Like what am I supposed <laughs> to play fucking Askree? Like I can't I can't play these fucking triple A garbage shit. Like I, I, I sound like a snob when I say that, but like seriously, I don't man. Like feel the, and it's the only way I can feel something. <laughs> Only indie games make me feel <laughs> Only indie games speak to me deeply. <laughs> I played Rogue Company on stream. Um, Payday, Payday 2. That's an old game. Ho, 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 ho. I'm like George. Wait, Payday uh, 2 is old now? What? That's, that's really old. I mean, they It's going to be like 2015, 2016, right? 2013. Jesus Whoa. Christ, Payday 2 is seven years old? No. The same no. year as Bioshock Infinite. That's crazy. That's oh, a long time ago. Oh, God. Wait, so I'm looking I'm looking at Omen site, and I'm looking at the trailer, and I still am unable to tell what the hell's going on. There's like a big bear. Their games are like that. Um, I reviewed their, their other game that's very similar to this. Spearhead Games. Spearhead, spearhead Games. The storybook game. Uh, what is it called? Stories. Stories. The Path of Destinies. Stories. I remember that TOVG. I reviewed that game. Yeah. How was it? Wait, how's the new one? The new one is better. They learned a lot from stories. Oh, that's cool. Um, the combat is better. Um, and the way they wrap the story around you un- un- unfolding it is better. It still feels super indie if that makes sense like Mm. there's still missing a little bit of polish in areas like the way the characters move there's a there's a bit of stiffness there um but it's it has charm and it has like they've so progressed so much that i i feel like i'm compelled to like play their game because i beat stories and i i enjoyed Mm. it for what it was so what are you like actually doing in the game? You play as the Harbinger, um, which uh, you repeat a day over and over again, right? I want to hear about that. But you spend that day. Oh, like the sexy brutal or something. Majora. Yeah. You spend that day with a different person with different information each time. So as soon as you learn, you get a, a major breakthrough in a story, you get this thing called Omen Sight, which shows them a memory. Like, Ooh, oh, someone killed this person. Sight. And you start the day fresh with that person, but this time you show them exactly what happened. 
And sometimes they're involved and you see how they react. And then they like try to like say, no, I didn't do this or blah, blah, blah. And then they, you go on that path um, with them. And that's, that's basically it. And through that, you unlock different areas. The thing, the thing with starting going through the same areas over and over again is that some of them change, but sometimes you end up doing the same thing over and over again. And it gets boring. Uh... When you do something like that, you got to freshen it up a bit. You can't do the same thing. You know, and it is a certain section that is the biggest sin, which is like you're on this like war truck thing that drives through and you have to stop these enemies from blowing up the war truck by like (laughs) these like these comic like, you know, those cartoons where they had the detonator having like a lever and they push down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the same thing. I had to do that thing like four times in four different days. And it's just like, no. But yeah, it's a cool little game. It's a cool little game. Um, I'm probably I'm I'm gonna finish it up, and I'd be like, yeah, that was a cool little game. I can't wait for their next one that they try to do, and probably their next one is gonna be like really cool. I think. I I think stories wasn't enough for them to like make a ton of money from, but I think Omen Sight is enough for them because it has a lot of good reviews. To like, it's significantly better than stories. They they self published it. Uh, and- it's pretty good. Yeah. The first game must have done pretty decent enough to fund this one, and this one has quite a fair amount of reviews on Steam, so it must have done pretty good. It looks nice. It's good. It's good. It's just, you know, you you're in for if you expect like super polished combat and not re- reused assets and stuff like that. Yeah, mm. but this is all voice acting. It's all it's 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 decent. Mm. There's a lot to like here. Not the best, but I, I like these types of games where it's just like, it's it's good in this little section, you know? It's good a little. I like how people mm. call me Mr. Indie, but you are way more Mr. Indie than me. <laughs> I like these little indie games. Mm. How does the, the time travel repeat the last day over and over again system work? At the end of the day, the world ends, right? Mm-hmm. And you go back. And you pick between these like few people. I don't want to spoil it, these few people that you can spend the day with. And if you've done it before, it skips ahead to a critical moment where you can make a choice because you have choices you can make within that day. And sometimes that would give you a breakthrough. Some some other paths will make you unlock a seal that you can unlock different pathways during that path that you're going through. Like you have loaded, so it has like you can unlock chests and memories and and different uh, ways to go around like a certain temple or whatever like that. And it, it opens up in that way. It's just some levels are kind of straight through. Um, those are the ones that are boring. Hmm. But at the end of the day, world ends, you repeat and you pick someone again. You level up and you pick your little stats and, you know, you level up your dash and, and attacks and shit. And you pick a person again to relive that day with new information on where to go and you kind of just uh you can actually pick if you want it to be very hard to figure out the mystery or you can use like the witch that helps you go back in time uh to use her orb and it shows like what to do next and i wanted it hard so 
I have no <laughs> idea how it works. So you're just <laughs> you're walking around like, hello. <laughs> I, I kind of like it. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of cool going around and seeing what the characters hello, say. Hello, Mr. Bear. Would you like to go back in time? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though she's like, you know, the world is ending. He he sees you. Like this, this big dragon thing is destroying the world. And she's, he's starting to see me now. He's like, I'm going to find you. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a cool game. It's a cool game. I I, um, I play a little Guild Wars 2, for sure. Got me a little flying mount. But yeah, <gasps> don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> Best flying mount in any MMO I've played. But yeah. What did... Wait. Is it because there's a new expansion or something? Why the hell are you... I thought that, I thought that was... There's a new expansion. Oh my God. Next year, though, Kantha. There's a meme oh of God. me you know, talking to Colin Johansson, which is like uh, the head guy at the time. And I kept asking. I was like, I, I before I did the interview, before I went to, I think it was a PAX. And I was like, yo, all right, so I'm going to keep asking you about Kantha, right? Because it, everyone wanted it in Guild Wars. This is way back. I'm going to keep asking you about this. All right. And you can just like, like act like I'm annoying you. Like it doesn't even matter. Like and, and me and him had this like thing and we were just joking around the whole time and every time I say, So Cantha? And he'll be like <laughs> Like, you know, like the head of the fucking gorge. <laughs> it was so funny. It was so entertaining. Um Did you stream it? What with the no I didn't. No, this this was like some hardcore oh, was, grinding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I was gonna check like the Guild Wars 2 Reddit to see if there was like a siren that had no, been. No, um, no, no. People just say what's Matt, up to me and Matt and, Visual is back in. Yeah, right. No, I'm not back in. People were telling me like, oh, you should do some videos. Uh people were messaging you me. You are back in. <laughs> messaging me in game. But yeah, yeah. Guild Wars 2. Guild Wars 2 is fun, man. Oh my god, I am amazed. I never thought we'd hear that. I never <laughs> thought we'd hear the day. Oh no, man. I'm 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 definitely a multi-gamer, man. I'll I'll pop into Guild Wars 2 and get me give me a few things though before the expansion. Before the expansion. I I just want to point out that uh that, that you didn't introduce that with with uh labeling it as an old game. It's, but but <laughs> I mean an expansion is coming out with it. <laughs> And it's not like it's a uh, it's global cooldown WoW games, you know. Like, f- does Cowboy Bebop get an expansion? No, no. <laughs> they wrapped it up. It's done. You know, it has an end to things. Things in life eventually are supposed to end, right? <laughs> nice segue there, Georgie boy. Guild Wars Two is older than Payday Two. Anyways, um. Oh shit! You're right. <gasps> I gave you the perfect segue. To talk about life and death of kings, but you didn't fall for it. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've been slipping, blanking all. I'm slipping. I'm falling down a, a hole of can't get up. Of, of loneliness and and depression, and I can't figure <laughs> out how to Whoa. deal with any of it. George. Um, yeah, no, I was actually talking Ooh. about my queen, Matilde of Tuscany. Oh, okay. Mm. She she grew old and lonely, um, unable to ever have an heir. And uh, she's fucking rich as fuck, though. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Tuscany campaign that I started at gets you a shitload of gold in in the beginning. Good relations with with your neighbors, but uh, her primary challenge is getting an heir, and that that never happened. 
first husband was not interested sexually and would reject my advance. <laughs> so I, I had her do some extramarital flings. Uh, uh, the first one resulted in, in someone indeed following up on her sexual advances, but no baby. The second extramarital fling was Pope Alexander III, who uh, also rejected my character's sexual advances after a series of ridiculous requests in which my character was like singing outside his bedroom window and he was like, I may consider your request if you bring me three golden apples. <laughs> and, and at the end of all that process, he still wouldn't bang my lady. So I, I divorced the first husband and got another one who died of suspicious circumstances. Uh, that was around the time I started realizing that maybe this baby is not going to happen. So I noticed that the Pope got in trouble for beating up uh, children in his dungeon. And I was uh, given a Bloody choice popes. to denounce this Pope and uh, get some better relationships with the other Christian kingdoms at the expense of relationship with the Pope. And I was thinking, huh, you know what? I just discovered this list of decisions that actually give you some uh, like multi-objective step long-term goals to work for that does give the game the kind of direction and objective-based uh, goal-seeking I was looking for. And one of them was to unite the kingdom of, um, unite all the kingdoms of Italy into just one Italy. And so I decided to pursue that. I invaded the Pope. I declared war against the Pope. <laughs> This was okay. And I also should clarify that this was not the Pope. I was trying to bang either. This was that guy's successor. Pope Alexander the third. Oh yeah. Was, was, was a fine Pope Pope Vesuvius or whatever this guy's name was. He was a bad Pope. And, uh, the other, the other Christians didn't like him that much because he got exposed, torturing people, uh, torturing children rather. And, um, when I declared war on him, I hired up pretty much all the mercenaries in Europe. Uh, and then the Muslims declared a jihad on us and the Pope decided to hire Muslim mercenaries. So there was also like this weirdly uncomfortable cultural division between the Pope and the rest of, of, of Italy and, and the other Europeans who were invading them. So it like weirdly turned into this big opportunistic climatic end to this woman's life that was really fun to play out. Um, and her third husband died in battle, so she never did get an heir, and it game over. <laughs> <laughs> what boy, yeah. oh boy, did I did I go out in a blaze of glory for that campaign? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yep. So uh, we've both been playing Crusader Kings three uh, again. You have gotten into a. Uh, as much as I had last week, and I have continued playing it, and I am sold entirely on this game, and I love playing it. But I find it is a lot more fun when we stream it and people watch us make decisions. It is hilarious. Surprisingly good spectator game. Very, very good spectator. Everybody yes. can digest information at the same time. It's it's great. Uh, but the one thing I did notice, and I'll get onto my story of my lineage and how that's gone. Uh, is you and me play entirely different styles, which is incredibly strange. I pause quite frequently and I like make sure everything is in order and all the notifications are kind of met and gone and hidden away before I unpause. 
George, you like live three dynasties within like one lifetime of one of my characters. You are like speeding through. You fat. You press the fast forward to like the fastest speed, and then you immediately hammer it when you're like, "Oh my god, I just missed something. Something just happened," and it made me laugh just how different uh, you play this game to me. Yeah, you're like rushing through this poor woman's life. Well, I I wish there were more notifications. It has this problem of um, your units can be idling. And like may, might stand around and get ambushed by enemies if uh, your camera is placed in the wrong way. I am so I'm a I've got boomer brain. I'm used to turn based. It does tell you in the bottom right how many like what if you have armies and what wars you're fighting. I know I know I'm not gonna defend the UI for this game. It's been a roller coaster for me. I felt like I knew the UI better last week than I do this week. <laughs> So that's that. I think that's the the site of progress, right? You see the surface level, and then once you start getting deeper, you're like, okay. Yeah. Now I'm seeing the math. The not game is the math is not adding up as well as I thought it did last week because now I know more about modifiers that yeah. aren't explained elegantly all the time. Yeah. Now I understand exactly. Well, not exactly. If, most of what the game is trying to tell me and how to influence things. To be fair, I have to give Paradox some credit. This game is so complex and there's so much happening. To be able to present all of that information is an impossible task. And it is quite janky and the UI sometimes can be fiddly, but I do think they've... Uh, part of the reason these games are so success successful and reach such a wide audience is because generally they become second nature and I know exactly where I'm going when I need to make decisions about things or I, I want to change things, I know where I'm going. I don't find myself lost, I just find myself trying to click on the correct thing or navigate, but I still know where it is and I think that's to their credit. Finding that decisions tab was really important for me. Yeah. Like that, that, that gave me my goal. My problem last week was I couldn't come up with goals this week they're not, they're not like common things though they're like lifetime goals oh yeah yeah tend to be in that tab which which is what i wanted to be honest like i i really needed that and and ever since i discovered that i've been it's been on my mind ever since and i'm yeah really enjoying so, it so yeah you've gone through a few and you've got another dynasty to talk about in a minute but i started the game with the 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 tutorial character the the guy in ireland that i've talked about and to be fair he lived a great life he basically caused me no problems. He managed to make everybody fear him, so he controlled all of <laughs> Ireland very quickly. I became the king of Ireland with my king, Merchad. Yes, his name is Merchad. He was a Chad. He made everybody... He was a big Chad. That's big. He was the big Chad of Ireland. And he took over all of Ireland, uh, uh, minus one part, and the, that part... The the county, uh, the duchy of, oh, I think it's the county, the county of Meath, or the duchy of Meath, which consisted of one place and then Lannister. Now, and this is where the key to the story is, that old guy who held that land was the cousin of, of, of me, my king, Mr. Merchad. And when Merchad reached the fine age of 63, he controlled a part of Wales. He controlled almost all of Ireland. He was the king of Ireland. He had a lot of titles. Now, the problem is, is he had six children. <laughs> this guy was a beast. This guy was a beast. He had two wives. One wife who bore five children and then one underage child who eventually just be the year before he died became of age for him to have another child. So he had six children. Wow. Now, 
I don't know if you know about Crusader Kings, everybody, but what happens when you die? <laughs> All of your titles and everything you've worked so hard for then get split depending on what your succession law is that you can set and modify, which is super important. Succession in this game is no joke. Your titles get split across all of the children if you have a certain succession thing. I had that succession. So all of my titles for all of that this king held got split across all of the children, which meant I pretty much lost everything because my primary heir, which was Brian Merchad. So now we have Brian Brian Chad. Brian Merchad. Yeah, Brian Chad was a moron. And he had terrible stats. He was terrible at fighting. Well, actually, fighting was his best thing, and he was pretty bad at it. He literally was an idiot. His learning stat was tiny. He had no ability to gain money. It actually says idiot on his character sheet. And he was, and his secret, which he can be found out and blackmailed with, was that he doesn't believe in God. So he wasn't that religious either. So he wasn't gaining any religion points with the old popey, um, the old pope in Rome. So... I'm now playing as Brian. Now, reversing back to that tiny bit of island that his dad, Brian's dad, Big Chad, let's call him Big Chad. So you got Big Chad and Little Chad. So Big Chad died. He was the greatest king of all time. (laughs) Now, but he couldn't conquer that tiny bit of island because his cousin was a stubborn old bastard. Now, Little Chad, as soon as Little Chad becomes king, fucking ballsack of a man the cousin who owned these two parts, declared war on me. He knew I was unprepared, and he declared war on me. I had no money. All my titles are split across my brothers now, and I, I didn't know what to do. So here's what I did. One, I plan- I plotted to kill my brother because he had the most titles, and I managed to t- I persuade him to make me his primary heir. So if he died... I gained all of his titles back and almost got back to where I was with Big Chad. So Little Chad plotted to murder his brother. And then this guy started a war with me. And this guy was like 60. So he was on death's door. So we start the war and I'm starting to lose. This guy's got a good army and I don't... Most of my vassals are not loyal to me because they were loyal to my dad and they don't like me. And they're loyal to my brothers because they don't like me because this guy's an idiot. Little Chad's an idiot. And then go to war. I'm trying to kill my brother. (laughs) My brother is my vassal. He goes to fight the old guy, and he dies. <laughs> the brother I was trying to kill. Like natural causes? Died. No, he died in battle. <laughs> oh, you got to watch out for that, kids. <laughs> yeah, you, you, if you like some of your knights, don't forbade them from going into fights, because if they're not very good, they will die. And he died. So technically, that was one point in my favor. So the old, the old bastard in the middle of Ireland did me a favor. So I gained all of these titles. The problem is, all of these titles were a lot of work for a man who has no money and no loyalty across his vassals. So this bastard of a cousin keeps walking through my lands, trying to take my capital, and I'm trying to fight him back. And eventually he dies. And then his son takes over. And then his son wants to continue fighting on with me. So I'm trying to find his son. And his son and me finally get a truce. And we get to war. And then he dies of natural causes. So his <laughs> two-year-old baby child takes over. The implications are disturbing. At this point, I'm very angry with this baby's dad and grandfather. Because they caused me a lot of pain over about 10 years. A lot of pain. So I went to war with the baby. Yeah, so here we go. So I managed to capture the baby. I stormed and sieged the capital in in this guy's county, this baby's county. And I was so angry that 
his grandfather had caused so much issues for me, murdered my brother, who I was definitely not trying to kill, of course. No, 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 no. And then his son, the baby's dad, had tried to kill me as well. That I captured the baby and the baby's mother. <laughs> and I executed both of them. The two-year-old? Oh, my God. <laughs> Liam! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, there is an entire subreddit called Shit Crusader King Say. This sounds like it belongs there. <laughs> I executed that baby by beheading. And, oh, uh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Liam's a monster, dude. I managed to take the county back, and then all of Ireland was once again whole. I was very angry at that baby's father and the baby's grandfather. I just had to take it out on the baby. The father's sins. Is that how it worked back then? And it was great because- Holy shit. Because he was a prisoner of war and he was fighting against me, nobody thought it was tyrannical of me. It was totally fair because, you know, all's oh, fair in love God. and war. So I didn't just murder him for the sake of nothing. I murdered him because we were in a war together. Uh, so the damn baby died. Killed the baby. The, the concept of childhood innocence is a disturbingly modern thing. I know. So Ugh. little Chad is now a baby killer. He's also an idiot. And also he's married to a woman who isn't having children and he has no heir. And the problem is his brothers are getting pretty powerful and they're fighting amongst themselves and he's trying to calm them down, but they're not listening to him. And he has, he has four brothers and one sister. He's got a lot going on, old little Chad and his wife. They're getting older. She's not giving him any children. There's no heir. It's all going pretty bad. So, little Chad did what any little Chad would do. He tried to seduce and romance a lady in Scotland. He tried to seduce the, uh, the King of Scotland's wife. The King of Scotland then died and she became like a courtier. So, that was no good. But the problem is, the new King of Scotland was not very happy about this. So, I had him murdered as well. I poisoned his chicken. And I murdered the king of Scotland. He poisoned his chicken. <laughs> I poisoned his chicken and killed the king of Scotland so I could take his courtier. The problem is, I miscalculated a little bit, and the courtier came to my court, and the king was happy about this, and he, he started an alliance with me just as I had plotted to kill him. So I gained, like, a really powerful alliance with the king of Scotland, who had, like, 4,000 troops, and then I killed him. <laughs> I couldn't stop it. So I lost the alliance within two turns by murdering him by poisoning his chicken. His courtier came to my court. She lost all of her titles because the two kings she was kind of related to now lo no longer existed. I killed one of them. And all I wanted was this woman's, like, to have, you know, to lay with me and birth an heir. And then she did come to my court and she had a secret baby. That was a daughter. And I had to keep it quiet. A secret baby. Yeah, a secret baby that I had to keep quiet. And it became a secret that people could blackmail me with. But the problem was she had a daughter and I didn't I didn't I didn't need a daughter. I needed dads and sons, unfortunately, because that's how crusaders work <laughs> in Ireland. So I sent her away. <laughs> oh shit no. crusader kings say. <laughs> so I sent her away. 
I sent her away. Oh, also, I neglected the fact that I actually tried to kill my wife so I could not have to get a divorce because I, because I was a godless, a godless loser. Uh, I couldn't get a divorce because I didn't have a high enough religion score and the Pope wouldn't listen to me. So the only way I could get my new love from Scotland, who eventually then I had to send away, was to kill my wife. Problem is, my wife found out and I was like, no, no, honey, I would never kill you. How could you? How could you tell me? I murder babies, but not my wife. Come on. She didn't really buy it and she hated me for about 10 years. Only 10 years? <laughs> she did initially forgive me. Um, and then we had a feast and she organized the feast and everything went really well. Oh. And she was like, you know what? This relationship can work. <sighs> and then she died anyway. So that helped. Wow. So little Chad. Wow. Big Chad was amazing. But he was relatively boring. He was very good at what he did, which was making people scared of him. And even though he made everybody scared of him, he did not kill no babies. Little Chad, however, he's a wife, attempted murderer, baby killing. Mess of a person. Terrible war commander, seducer of Scottish women. And killer of Scottish kings. <laughs> I like how seducer of Scottish women is on the same list as baby killer and, and wife killer. <laughs> oh, and don't forget, you know, regicide. He killed the king of Scotland with poison chicken. And I'm amazed because when I tried to do it, it was like success rate 100%. I was like, how am I 100% sure I'm going to kill the king of Scotland? I had one hell of a good spy master, I guess. That, that chicken must have also been irresistible. So now you understand why I am deeply, deeply in love with this game. And that type of emergent gameplay is almost unheard of. And I love, love, love it. And that was like, an, and it, all of that happened in one stream. And we had like 10 other people watching in the Discord. And all of that was happening, and it kept happening every turn. Every turn, there was something to deal with similar to this, and just understanding what the hell was happening. There was so much going on, so many people dying, so many babies to kill. And this is this is all procedural. Like, the reason why I yeah. had a good reason to invade the Pope is that someone else was starting that blackmail scheme against him as part of, like, the AI machine churning in the background yeah it's i mean once you get past the ui once you get past the obtuse nature of the entire strategy nature of the game yeah. and you start getting into that nitty-gritty decision making that leads to these procedurally generated storylines based on your decisions man i get it i get why people like these games fair play that is they're good it's good if you are playing this game, please check out the modding scene. There is already some really good stuff, some helpful stuff. One that also helped me learn the game better is a mod that lets you rename your king. I mm -hmm. started like a uh, sandbox sort of tutorial sort of campaign where I made Yorg of Yorgland. The cities were all named Yorgheim. I was renaming things based off their specialties to uh, try to keep everything a little more catalogable in my head. And that was also a really good learning experience as well, is uh, renaming everything to, to mm. a scheme that, that helps, helps you organize things <gasps> a little better. Like my first- oh, I, I neglected to mention you said renaming. Yeah. I, so Brian had two brothers, uh, little Chad had two brothers. One was called Matt, one was called Gorg. <laughs> Gorg was the youngest. <laughs> And I actually sent Gorg away to Wales to have him educated 
Unfortunately, the guy he was being educated by turned out to be an absolute maniac who had the, uh, I can't remember what the perk is called, like insanity or something, where basically he's a comp- he's hallucinating constantly. He kidnapped you and I had oh. to wage a war to get you back, but I kind oh, of failed because the oh, guy's army was mind. really strong. So currently, if I remember correctly, my current save game, Matt, you're fine, but George, you're in a castle in Wales in prison somewhere. By my by my tutor. Uh, by uh, he's an insane king of Wales. Those Zoom glasses, they just ain't the same quality. His his um <laughs> his like you know like the st- the status name thing he has is like irrational villain or something like that. Like he has a really bad title, and and that's how you can predict their behaviors and know who to assign mm. to which positions is by a personality that the game very very clearly kind of gears your expectations up for yeah there is a lot of like oh yeah it's like it's random but it's it is but it takes into consideration how smart you are like if you look at somebody and you notice they're lustful or they are etc etc and you exploit that by doing certain things the game rewards you for that kind of intrigue and looking into things it really is uh almost like how predictable human beings can be and looking into their behavior and then manipulating that yeah you can murder babies by beheading wow it gets a thumbs up from me (laughs) i'm sure it does don't murder babies okay not in real life just in crusader kings i was amazed that i could do it because you can't like fabricate hooks on children and stuff so i was wondering if you could actually murder children and you could. Does it carry any like penalties? Does your character get a bad reputation? Yeah, you lose a lot of religious piety. What does it do to your stress? Nothing. Oh, <laughs> I was at war, so I had a reason. If I if it if I did it without having a Cassus belly and being at war, then I would have gained stress. And also, I think no, I think you gain stress. But what you definitely gain is tyrannical status. So all of your vassals and all of your people lose opinion of you, which is really harsh. But because I was at war, you have a genuine reason to murder them without getting the tyrannical stat. So I could exploit that by murdering his mother and murdering him. It's all his grandfather's fault. His grandfather shouldn't have started a war he couldn't carry on with. I saw three generations of that family die at my knees. Even the babies. I forgot to mention that I did finish a game and it was... There is no game. Wrong dimension. I saw you finish it. Yeah, you did. You did. I played it on stream. Um, I had no idea what was happening. It's my painful, painful, painful. That, that was a bad decision. <laughs> is there a game or, or not a game? Where, where is it? What, what is there is no game? There is no game. It's new, right? It just came, I think it just came out recently. Mm-hmm. It's a new game. No game. The game. <laughs> I wanted to try something different. Uh, some story based, and uh, it was it's a, it ended up being like a point and click game. They didn't know what it was, point and click puzzle game. Not really into those anymore, just because of the logic that happens with the puzzles sometimes. But I did mm. okay for the most part. There was some parts where I'm just like, I don't know. Like after a while, after a while, it tends to like just drain your energy. You know, it's just like, okay, what? Your mind is all the way like over here and it's trying to, you got to use this part of your brain. (laughs) You know, it's just, no one can see my hands. Um, 
<laughs> it is it yeah i'm not a i'm not a complete like that's one of those type one one of those genres that I just i'm not fully into i don't get in the mood for point and click i do like watching people though i would watch a stream of that which is what people did watching you suffer for their enjoyment watching me suffer but i did good for the most part except for for like four different parts where i literally just could not and i would like drag something on top of something and it wouldn't work and i and i'll automatically dismiss it because i like maybe moved it to the uh, right a little bit yeah. yeah i would dismiss it i'm like okay it doesn't work the collisions not matching up yeah when i should have like tried it twice and try to make sure i matched the like the item on top of what was supposed to be activated yeah 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 that's lame when that happens it's a little bit lame yeah, yeah. so so how does the the sense of humor metagame self-awareness stuff sort of work i mean it's it's called there is no game i i see very different screenshots that uh all have like p- pixel art let's, let's just say it's all voice acted it'll be a spoiler um it's all voice acted you go in and a guy was like no there's no game here and you try to play the game that's not there and that's how it starts but it goes it goes down a path my friend like it go- <laughs> it starts there but it goes ham this sounds cute and fun i'm getting like fun frog fraction vibes yeah it's fun it's a fun game i i enjoyed it i enjoyed playing it with people though Mm, yeah so you can have someone else to help you with the puzzles oh yeah 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 someone yeah sometimes i did did get some help yeah the thing is it's more it's not that it's more like it's fun to enjoy games with people i feel like um there's something that's like i guess missing these days type of thing but when it comes down to a game i don't usually play i rather play it with people than play it by myself because I wouldn't play it by myself. I have found that with Crusader Kings, I've I've held off playing it because it feels better to play that type of game with people watching or talking to you at the same time. Yeah. I imagine it's very similar. Yeah, yeah, because like the stuff going through your head is putting together this incredibly elaborate story. Yeah, and when you're talking about it with other people as well, you're like, even if they're not talking back, you're at least talking about it, and you're like, yeah reasoning with yourself like hmm, this is my deductive reasoning why why am i doing this yeah yeah yeah. and lately like i don't know about you guys but my post-corona life has been revolutionized by the habit of playing games on discord calls yes that has that is so good (laughs) so much fun so but like going back to the just i want to i'm a bit interested because i saw the end of matt finishing this game on his stream and obviously, there was a lot going on. I had no idea what the hell was going on. I tuned in too late. <laughs> you came in on a weird part. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I did. I think I'd like. I liked more all of us playing and like reading chat and stuff. I think I enjoyed that more. But I did enjoy for what it was. Yeah, it was different. I don't usually play games like that. Um, which is strange for me to say. But like, feels good, right? It feels does good. feel good. Crusader Kings, good. not a game I would play, but man, oh man, I'm glad I did. Yeah, sometimes it hits you, right? Sometimes it hits you. It's like, oh, you know, I'll play this game on stream. And I played through one sitting. 
went right through it. Oh, nice. Yeah, it went right through it. And like by the end, my brain was done. It was cooked. <laughs> it was baked. Alongside you yourself. I'm glad I'm I didn't do a I didn't do any thinking as a dad. <laughs> How long to beat.com says that there is no game is 15 to 16 minutes long. So fucking is that, trolling. Is that real? No, it's not real. Oh, I am very intrigued, actually. The more you talk about this, the more I want to play it on Discord in front of other people. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It'll be interesting to see <laughs> you go through the puzzles. The, yeah, the I description think, is a I think little game pretty... that's not a game. Winner of an old game GM no one ever heard of. Yeah, I think you'll do better than me, but I, I also think you would also like get mad at certain sections. Me? Get mad? Never. Like, what is the logic? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you would totally get mad. But I think you would do pretty good. <laughs> Watching you scream your way through Crusader Kings <sighs> yeah. would say otherwise. So that that was the campaign where I was like unlearning the UI. After learning the UI. I remember at one point you pressed reset on all the tutorial tips. And then all of a sudden you spammed mm -hmm. your own self with about 50 tutorial tips. And it was like, why Why did you do that? Because I got a notification that one of my vassals wasn't my Dejure vassal. And I didn't know what that mean. And I couldn't get the tutorial pop up back. So I reset the whole thing just to read the one particular message about <gasps> what it means when you're the rightful liege of someone. That's all. It's complicated bullshit. We can move on. Wow. Yeah. Some pretty good games then going on this week no absolutely and, th and then we played worms with the fans we did do that i missed that we made worm maps and worm sound packs i re i recorded voice lines you did and i have to do it as well george did it we played with a george voice pack <laughs> and it is 100 percent worth it i can't wait to play with the matt and liam one as well Huge props, huge props. Worms is a great game, right? No, no one is, so no one is going to deny that. But Worms so is Worms, good. right? But what made this so special? And props to you know, Bracket and I think it's Bracket and uh, Web and a couple of others who our Discord community members who set up the community game nights literally went above and beyond to set up a very special type of Worms maps. That were all references to the show, with starting from simply a, a map of the the logo of the show and our pictures to a cursed golf map, which was incredible. And then one where I was Revolver Ocelot, Matt was Jetstream Sam, and George, you were Snake. And it was incredible bit of photoshopping and an incredible map matt have you seen the pictures of the maps yeah i saw that one. Oh my god they are amazing i kind of like it george george tweeted it out so if you're interested and haven't seen it go have a look they're works of art and surprisingly were incredible worms maps to play as well <laughs> you just drop a png in with um a, li a little bit of logic applied to make a transparency layer and that's it you can turn anything your your imagination can can just turn into a great worms map and and the gameplay a adapts to all sorts of, of two-dimensional shapes and and chunks super duper well like i every time i load up worms armageddon i'm i'm a little shocked that people don't regard it with the same reverency that you hear with like things like doom and tetris and and the league of like incredibly elegantly tight 
perfectly designed games. For some reason, no one talks about worms as much as as those other legends. It's yeah, because it's a very specific type of fun, right? It's to get the absolute maximum amount of this game, you need to have friends, and you need to be playing on online or locally. Mm, yeah, maybe like, that's, that's uh, and the that thing. is a huge barrier because you need at least three or four teams to really create the chaos or the the precipice of excitement that worms can provide in those last few rounds to make the game its fullest when you do that i'm surprised at just like how much fun everyone of all skill levels has that worms is easy to play and hard to master there's like still people yes mastering the ninja rope to this day i was shocked to see how many matches were still going on when we were playing this thing and one of them was a room devoted entirely it was called like roper's paradise and ah i just i just love love knowing that one of the most precious casual easy games of my childhood has somehow evolved into something with a really really high skill ceiling that's kept people pursuing it for literal decades at this point Worms Armageddon is insanely good. I'm, I haven't played this game in God knows how long. And I bought it just to play. It was $15. I'm still a bit, bit solely about playing $15 for a game that came out in 1999. But there we go. And it was worth it. Uh, but <laughs> I, I had no, I didn't know the controls for the mouse and keyboard. And I had no idea what I was doing. And yet I still won two, two games in a row. Somehow, mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. sneaky teleportation tactics, to be fair, on one round, I was having a great standoff, and then all of a sudden, I threw the grenade throw of all mother loads across the map that landed perfectly between a worm and a wall, and then managed to somehow sneak a victory. But yeah, the fact that you can really level the playing field, like if you're good at it and you know what you're doing, you take advantage of your turns very well, and you can obviously get an advantage, but there's a lot of like, leveling the play playing field type stuff in worms that makes it that makes it really special for anybody to just jump in and play we had a lot of good fun it's very addictive to just be like next game let's play that was the, the most fun i i think i have had in months i i have like had such a miserable year that that is probably you were literally obsessed you were like let's go again let's go again giggling your way through i i i was giggling I have not giggled like that in a long time. It felt real good. It was a lot, a lot of fun. <laughs> um, those maps still like <laughs> the one of me in a Formula One car, the one of George on a bike, and the one of Matt in a Cyberpunk 2077 car. Yeah, I see. It. I'm so looking at it. So good. It's so good. <laughs> we of course had an Agretzko map as well because you know that's our shtick it was a lot of fun I can't believe there's not really much to say on that game to be honest because you know everybody I think everybody's played Worms but if you still have a bunch of friends and you're all in lockdown and you're looking you know you played a lot of Fortnite played a lot of whatever the new hot shit is in Battle Royale town and you want some good old multiplayer fun just download Worms I think it's kind of uh funny and tragic that team 17 has made so many sequels to worms but everyone keeps going back to worms armageddon it's like the literal you can't mess with perfection sort of dynamic going on 
They the last update to that game was made this year and it came out in 1999. It is a lot of fun. Worms the uh, classic. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> it's such a good time. I'm glad I caught it, even though I turned up a little late. Oh, see all the fun we have. I will admit, streaming in the Discord and playing games, like being able to, for me, has been really helpful. I mean, this is nothing to do with the fact that it's tied to the Patreon. Honestly, I, for me, as somebody who has lived in a different time zone that everybody I know and played games with means multiplayer games have been off the table for me and kind of been off the table for the three of us in terms of playing together for a long oh, time. Yeah. That's another thing. Since it's turn-based, any kind of internet can play Worms. You don't yeah. need a super fast connection. But like the fact that we have this ability now through the Discord to literally at any moment jump in and be like, playing this, there is at least always somebody else who is like there who wants to play or at least hang out. And yeah, I've been able to play multiplayer games that, you know, it's like I was looking at Among Us and Among Us is the latest hush hit and it's like, ah, I now don't have to just pass that over and be like, oh, it's going to be too much effort. I could literally just buy it and then jump into the Discord and be like, I'm going to play this now. Who wants to play? And then people will play is really nice. (laughs) And I have been having a lot of fun with games that I have kind of not been able to have fun with, which is multiplayer stuff for a long time. And that's really been, you know, especially during this, this lockdown has been really fun. I really appreciate it. How do you think it would go over if uh, they decided to remake Worms Armageddon? I mean, there are some things you can do, I think, to the game. You could make animations a bit cleaner so you can see when you're not missing by a pixel or you're about to throw a grenade into a pixel that you cannot see and then the grenade bounces off that pixel and rolls back to you. There's some stuff like that, but then at the same time, do I actually want to get rid of that because of the chaos it causes? Not really. That's part of the fun. And people making mistakes, literally people lose at worms because they make mistakes, not because other people kill them. It tends to be you just made a mistake. And that is really fun. Precious things from our childhood are getting remade all the time in 2020. The latest one on the list is The Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, which um, released with a trailer uh, about three, four days ago on the uh, Ubisoft Forward event. They're doing Nintendo Direct-style video announcements now. And fans ended up really, really bashing on this remix graphics. The remake is going to be made by um, the Ubisoft India Studios, who previously did some Just Dance stuff, but also, believe it or not, they made Grow Home um, from the, the... Pune Pune Studio. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Home was pretty fun. I'm I'm assuming Liam's seen this trailer, but what what about Matt? What about Matt? So Matt, you have the trailer ready to go? Yeah, I already saw the thumbnail. Okay, <laughs> let's 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 hear it. Let's uh, hit that play button We're and gonna... uh, hear hear it. So hear what's in your mind real time. Just give us the grunts and reactions of how you feel. It says remake, right? Not not like remaster is it, is it titled remake is it i, I think it's, it's a remake not remaster right no because it says yeah, remake. It's, it's, on this there. is remake remake wow oh, no Seventeen thousand dislikes on this trailer guys okay that looks okay and then it goes right back to looking like shit this this looks there's a lot of lighting yeah like they're using issues. lighting effects to kind of hide that it looks like shit i don't know I think lighting is the problem. 
Like all of the characters look really flat, like they're made of clay. You think it's just a lighting problem? Just a lighting problem? Well, the, I think it's well, like a if texture you look, problem too, right? Yeah, I mean, but the textures. Are, I I am not really sure how well, how the lighting is working in the game, but uh, there's no like light bounce off any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like they're like it's like when you just put Unity assets in Unity and have no directional lighting on it. There's there's nothing. There's no casting of shadows across faces, which usually would hide said details. It's the the female character. I forget her name. Vera. Um, she's the one who looks the the roughest. <laughs> the roughest. But look at like the, the observatory and like that night scene with the bridges above the clouds. I I feel like there's there's some real grafting going on or a, a, a rift between art direction and technology here. I don't know. Maybe I'm old. Maybe it's because I'm colorblind, but I think I'm not seeing it as bad as a lot of other people are. Like the character models look bad to me, but the environments look fine to me. I just found an article where Ubisoft updated a screenshot saying that the trailer was running on an alpha build. And here, I'll show you. You can see the you can see the difference and you'll know it is lighting. It is 100 percent lighting. So, well, but, there's also the I, I've seen that screenshot. His beard texture is more detailed too, and yeah, like new and but you can tell the difference, one. right, between those two. It's quite drastic. So, oh yeah, look at that. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, it still looks it still looks like not very exciting. If I'm honest, it doesn't look. No, it doesn't. It doesn't exciting. Oh, but Prince of Persia is about feeling good. Yeah, his face looks ch- chunkier almost. But like squished down. He ain't no Jake Gyllenhaal. That's your. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that we all can't be Jake. Come on now. I'm gonna be the devil's mm. advocate for this one for the first time. Delicious. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm colorblind, or maybe it's because I'm old and out of touch. But I and I, I kind of can sympathize with with the angst over a remake in 2020 for the PS5, looking more like an early PS4 game. But I genuinely enjoy the look of some of these areas i want to explore that observatory and i want to explore whatever those bridges are going on in the the sky i don't think the areas look bad i think it's the characters yeah the environments look fun to me actually like i i i do feel a disconnect between myself and a lot of these comments because i think the environment art at least is like the more important thing where where you're actually going to be running around doing your gameplay than these close-ups on faces that do look way behind the times. And even then, if it's looking behind the times, I think there's an important distinction to make between that and just like straight up looking bad. Like, like whatever happened to that argument of art direction trumping graphical technology. But this is kind of that middle ground. It's where it doesn't feel like there is an artistic direction that matches no. the ability Mm-mm. to doesn't get over the graphical <laughs> problems. No, I, I, I like the artistic direction of a lot of scenes I'm seeing in this trailer. Like I paused at 48 seconds in and there's all sorts of interesting shadowing going on with um, the foliage all over this little garden here. And I also want to give it the benefit of the doubt just because it's the Indian studio. <laughs> but they still have the Ubisoft money. That doesn't doesn't really change that. Oh no, man. You like you like Halo. Okay. And Halo looked like shit too. <laughs> With Halo, I'm I'm like a little bit more cynical about that because the sound effects were weak. When it comes to graphics, I can totally tolerate this. This looks totally playable to me. 
also there was a sort of like I'm looking at old footage of the original game and there was a certain like like nature to the way the characters move they're kind of like slender and almost snake like in the way they move like the motion of like the prince and stuff and that's kind of missing there's a, there's a there's a lot of personality that seems to be missing um they kind of had like floppy ragdolly bodies um <laughs> but w- w- <laughs> One thing that absolutely is different if you compare it to the old footage is the flatness of the textures. Like the palace in the old game looks grimy and dreary. There's this over bloom effect, the 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 mid PS2 generation. But you know where it is, right? You know like it's the Arabian Nights feel of it, right? Whereas this, although I get it is like set decorated, it does feel like a bit unity asset textures. I I seriously feel like I have different eyeballs. I mean, you are colorblind. Mm, I am. And when I look at the original Sands of Time, the whole screen is muddy and green. And when I look at this remake, it's like colorful and, and dazzling. And I, I feel like there might be a little bit more of an appreciation for the architecture going on. The pa- I, the palace and the environment, I think, does look good. The, I, the biggest problem is the character models, I think, for me. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. I just think my priorities are... And I don't even think around. the character models are that bad. I honestly, f- kind of seeing through it, like th- that's the problem when you work in games. You can see through it. I think this game is made in Unity I, by looking at it, and I can see the the issues I would fix if I was looking at it. Like that's not mm-hmm. to say I can fix it. I'm just saying like a part of the problem when you you see things like this, it's like anything you're good at, right? When you see other people play games that you're good at, you can see the flaws or you can see the problems a little bit. Like looking at it, like as I showed you that screenshot, it is like a lighting issue, not necessarily a texture issue. The character models I think are expressive, which is great. They don't exactly feel the slender sort of nature of the older character models that moved around with a bit of like a a sort of bounce in them it is a bit more static in reality for example like you go if you go to like 45 seconds in and and it looks better than it does in earlier shots it like it's inconsistent okay 48 seconds in and go and go to the the bug that appears on the screen briefly that basically does look like a bug the actual insect looks like a bug. His the textures don't. I mean, they're made of sand, but it, there's no detail. There's no like post processing across it to make the detail stand out. It just looks gold. There's no shadows on the ground. Yeah, it also doesn't have a, a shadow. But yeah, I don't. It just these seem like such small fry issues to my eyeball. But it's a trailer trying to sell you the game, like. And I feel like what they've done with this trailer is very clearly said it's going to be a middle budget project. So that's the point. You're bringing back a beloved classic. And the the, the reason maybe why people look, I defend video game developers all the time on the show. But in this instance, especially when you're Ubisoft and you're bringing back one of your most powerful franchises and you're bringing back the game everybody likes in that franchise. And then you're not actually giving it the due service people expect. I think maybe that's a little problematic. You got to send the masses. The masses want something to look good, man. If they want this to sell, it has to look good. Like, for example, if you go to 49 seconds in, the guy with the big hammer and the ginger beard, he has no eyeballs. <laughs> like, his eyeballs aren't textured in. And the beard is the same color as his skin. Well, maybe it's because he's supposed to be sandy. I don't know. He could be, but he doesn't look like he's made of sand like the other characters are. And he has a ginger beard that's the same color. He could be a clay 
model. But wait, wait, yeah, no, no, this is an enemy. This is one of the the monsters. But the problem is because there's no shadow lighting detail across him. He looks all of the, like this. I can't define what is his features very much. He blends in the background. He's made out of sand. He's dripping all the time. There is zero no shadows around him. Look, it's it's an alpha. The screenshots already look better. This is probably not what it's going to look like, but it's not a very good look for a trailer. Like even the clothes, everything, it just it just screams like old. This screams old. How do you quantify that? Animations, man. Animations. How do you how do you measure? Like how how do you know for sure? Like you can just tell. You can just tell. Like the way she jumps. You see the slow-mo of his legs moving. Like I don't know, when you play so many like it's like how do you how do you measure omen sight? being an indie game you can instantly tell omen size an indie game just by the way the characters feel and it, like when you look at this it's just it just needs more polish man it looks way better than how i remember the original game it looks like like well of course like not on the level of of like the re2 remake but yeah no no and that's that's the but bar still that's a the respectable bar. effort that's a that's, very high bar that's a bar and it, it, it's like, it wasn't even that long of a game. It was a very short game. But look, this comes out. I get both sides of this because the problem is we have two words for two reasons. Call something a remaster, people have an expectation of a remaster. You call something a remake, and you're infinitely setting an expectation that's a yes. lot higher. Yes. And that's a big problem. And whilst I agree... I actually don't think the animation is a problem because I think Prince of Persia's animations were like this anyway. And I feel like it would look weird if it was a bit more realistic action combat instead of the nature of Prince of Persia. So I get why that's maybe the same. And it does look old. It does look like a PlayStation 2 era combat action game. But all of it together does not feel right, though. Like, like, but what, what, what's the, the, the bar, though, if like Destroy All Humans and Saints Row 3 just got remade and they were middle budget remakes that did not hit that high Capcom Resident Evil bar and no one complained. Destroy All Humans got pretty decent reviews and it, yeah, it does it was look fine. A, it does look a and lot better than this though. It does look a lot better than this. You think so? Yes. It actually looks really good. Like I watched a couple of, I don't want to play that type of gameplay. That is an error that has gone by. You're remaking a game and asking people to pay for it. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play it. That's for sure. I'm not. Gonna, it doesn't look that good to me at all. I'm, I'm giving it a shot. I I want to believe. Yeah, I mean, all right. Listen, it does. It doesn't bother. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. But like, it, my opinion, it doesn't look. It. If I was editing the trailer, I would be like, "Yo, man, this doesn't look good, man." It's gonna let you know. Remake like, does set it's, it's a not, not precedent good. now because we've had certain remakes that have come out. And being amazing. Unfortunately, that's what happens. You start late, you start adding uh, hyperbole onto things. You, you get immediately, you add roguelike, you add uh, battle royale, you add shooter, you add, <laughs> you know, uh, RPG, you, you add tanks to your games. And unfortunately, then they get compared to whatever the best in that genre is immediately, especially if you're remaking a really beloved game. And I did like the original. Like I, yeah. I, oh no, man! On the GameCube, I love Prince. I love Sense of Time, and uh, Prince yeah. is, is a franchise I have literally zero feelings for. I have zero uh, feelings for the franchise itself, but I think Sense of Time is a good game. 
is a, a good game. I feel like if you actually legitimately pulled up Photoshop and went through the trouble of doing a side-by-side -side comparison of this trailer to the original, that might be like what it what it might take to, to I don't know, maybe see what I'm seeing here. I the I think in this instance the 17,000 downvotes kind of is telling of what the general consensus is. Oh yeah, no, I'm I am aware that the general gamer consensus is is not on the same page as my opinions all the time. I'm I'm looking I'm looking at footage of the of the original game and I get what you say it is a PS2 GameCube game. It looks of that era. It looks exactly what I envision a PS2 game looks like in my head. The problem is I think the trailer also looks like that, but doesn't have the charm <laughs> that looking back at old games has. You're looking at a new game, but it's not invoking any charm. There's no, there's nothing about it that's charming, but you look back at old footage and you're like, ha, nostalgia. Oh, look at that. That's great. But if you have new footage that is not slightly better, it's a lot better, but it doesn't look like what's happening now and is trying to invoke some sort of emotion, there's, uh, there's just no charm to it. And I think that's the problem. You look at old footage and you're like, nah, man, those were the days. I don't know. Like, it's really the observatory in the clouds. Like, that looks legitimately pretty to me. You, you're looking at those static shots of the environment, right? That pan as it cuts between action to them holding hands. They do look good. But the rest of the, like, two-minute trailer is a little... I mean, the fact that Ubisoft have already had to show a updated screenshot, I think, is telling of what the general consensus is. Oh, yeah. That. No, absolutely. I, I am aware. And the, uh, the, the original game used a lot of bloom. It used a, it, it used a lot of bloom to it as well in the original game. There's a lot Which of bloom I effects. Which people Holy regarded as bad back in the, that day. You know what I love? I love seeing incredible footage of... of uh canceled games like prince of persia redemption <laughs> have you guys ever heard of it because i've never heard of it until and i'm pretty sure many people haven't until the trailer bombed is that the one that assassin's creed became speaking of brown and bloom oh is that is that what it is in 2012 oh, no, assassin's when is assassin's creed when is assassin's creed came out, out 2007 and it, it is like internally regarded oh, okay. as the successor of the Prince of Persia. Yeah, games. it started out as a Prince of Persia game and then became Assassin's Creed. No, oh, oh yeah, Pr Prince of oh, Persia yeah, Redemption. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That recently people discovered this. It was like a God of War similar style yeah. title. All of this was animation, by the yeah. way. All of this was animation. It wasn't gameplay. No, this looks way more interesting than fucking the remake. Way fucking more interesting. Are you kidding me? It was all scripted though. It was all it was all scripted. I'm just going to say that. It looks good. I know. Of course, I, I know that. I know that, but it still looks good. <laughs> That's what I said. It's my favorite game of, like, watching cool trailers of canceled games. Like, it's the same thing with the Star Wars trailer. That's scripted, too. That old Star Wars game that got canceled. See, this looks good, but then it also, this also looks like a PS3, PS3 era action combat game. It's so weird that I could just, like, define them, like, the, by the way they look. And, like, everybody was doing the same thing, right? Like t when I think of Prince of Persia, I don't think of what what Prince of Persia Redemption seems to be about. Like I no, it's not. This looks like Devil May Cry in Arabian Nights, which is cool. Yeah, 
No. Like I know he the, the no. act the, it's so much more about the combat than the acrobatics. He also looks like a gruff white guy. The, the title is literally Prince of Persia, and now it's being made by a team that's like actually way closer to to real life Persia than than. Oh my god! The what what off comment is like, I like some 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 trailer that obviously is scripted. Yes, Leo. <laughs> but, but I don't know. I like. I I would totally. Oh, play oh no this doubt. Game. It looks I good. Totally play it game. does. Because it, because it, it's just, it's just an adrenaline rush. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with playing popcorn games. I'm totally okay with that. It has the, uh, it has the God of War spectacle. It has, it is like you can tell they looked at God of War three and was like, okay, how do we do a siege of a city where there's a giant monster you're running away from? And then they were like, God of War three, there yeah. we go, or God of War two, there we go. It does look like that, but it does look good. Like you can't, I mean, denying that would be stupid, but. I get what George is saying about it not looking like Prince of Persia. Uh, I mean, I liked I liked that Prince of Persia that no one liked with the self. I really oh, liked that, that game. Gorgeous. I, it was gorgeous, and I liked. I that liked was it. beautiful. I game. loved that game. But I was young, and I didn't care about the like things repeating itself. Over I just and over care about the I, I just enjoyed it for the <laughs> graphics. I looked at it, and it looked beautiful, and I loved saving the girl. Like that's what I cared about. When I was <laughs> you know, and that's. Yeah, it, it was it was satisfying to me. I always remember that game, and I know no one cares about it. It's never gonna get remade. Just need like, I understand that. Like no one cares about Two Human. Two Human was a good game. <laughs> we talked a lot about Prince Persia here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, yeah, we should probably move on. Yeah. So as a super duper quick news topic to uh, write us out on the transition to listener questions, we can talk about the price and release date of the Xbox Series X going to be $499. Pre-orders begin on September 22nd for a November 10th launch. Oh you think that's that's bad? Because, I mean, I'm still traumatized from the PS3's $599 announcement. That's my teenagerhood, like, standard. Like, when I think of nostalgic, where my mind is for getting outraged where over game console prices, mind? this seems $100 under, and those dollars buy less nowadays than they did when the PS3 was announced for $599. Oh, okay. How much was the consoles last year? How much was the PS4? PS4 on Amazon today is three hundred fifty-two. PS4 launch price, I think it was four hundred. Yeah, four hundred. So it's what things are going up by a hundred, which. Uh, but the PS4 was significantly I mean, cheaper than the PS3. It's kind of on. That's kind of sort of it's by, it's zigzagging back and forth over the decade. Let's take into account that the Xbox One S was also announced in hilarious fashion. <laughs> I know. And what the fuck are we gonna do, guys? <laughs> the price of that is what two nine nine? No, or is it? Yeah, two nine nine. And I actually think if I was gonna buy a console, I'd be buying that. Yeah. So here's here's the sentence from from Tom'sGuide.com. Quote. The Xbox Series X will be joined by the Xbox Series S, a $299 console that promises next-gen gaming at a lower price point. The Series S can play games at up to 1440p and 123 frames per second, including many Series X features such as ray tracing and fast SSD loading. However, the console has a much smaller hard drive at 512GB compared to the Series X 1TB drive. So your basic, like, in order to actually, as a consumer, differentiate between these two products, your brain has to say something like the following sentence. 
The Xbox Series X can play games up to 4K and maybe 8K resolutions at 120 FPS frame rates, while the Xbox Series S can play games for 120 frames per second up to 1440p instead. They, S and X are almost the same noise even when they come out of your mouth. They're very different letters to look at, but like saying it is so, <laughs> it is hilariously like similar how these two products have I can't. It's going to be a shit show. It is PC GPU levels of bad naming conventions. The grandmas are not going to know what to buy this this holiday season. Like, there's going to be so many confused parents. And people thought Wii U was bad. (laughs) mm, That's a very high frame rate for 1440. Yes. And it upscales to 4K. I, I don't know what they have inside the box, but like to get that running, you need the new graphics cards to get that running. And the new graphics cards are that price alone. There is a tech spec breakdown. And the biggest glaring yeah. thing I could see was that the Xbox Series S, the, which is the <laughs> white one, uh, which is 299, was four teraflops. Now the X. The Xbox Series X, which is the black one, which is 499, is 12 teraflops. That's three times the flops. Okay. It's three times the flops, baby, for an extra $200. So how many flops do you want? Oh, and also it's 4K. It's native 4K. I'm not. I'm. I'm not getting an Xbox. I'm getting the PS4. But See, PS5. I, mean. I actually don't fucking know. Because I can play my. I have the Xbox Game Pass that, for a reason. That, I can play my Xbox games on my PC. I don't. There's no point. They don't even do exclusives anymore. If you have a good PC, there's no reason, and that's their actual strategy. I don't know. Xbox Game Pass is so good in my living room, next gen. Like, so, like. Games that come out immediately, I don't have to buy them. They're just there, and I can play them on a console. You got a good PC, though. Oh, you a- want a console box? You want, want a little no, but Game I, Pass I mean, box? I, no, I'm, th- I'm thinking about it. You're, 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 you're valid in your assumptions of, like, right. well, if, you're gonna, if you've already got- you Run a little HDMI cable or something. If you got Xbox Game Pass, right? Yeah. Or if you got a PC, anyway, why'd you- the age-old question, you've got a PC, why do you need a console, right? For exclusives. Now, in this instance, if I was going to buy a console, because PS5 right now, there's nothing on PS5 that makes me want to buy it. Nothing. There's no exclusives yet. There's nothing. So if I was just thinking pure, like, value for money, moving into next gen, being able to play Cyberpunk day one on a brand new console, I would spend $2.99 on an Xbox S and mm-hmm. get me a big fat Game Pass subscription, and I would be set. I don't have to, I don't, it's not like when the PS4 launched and all I was playing was NBA 2K and Assassin's Creed 4 for three months yeah. before any exclusives come out. Oh, it man. was day one, I'm going to get the best version of Cyberpunk because I can play that. I can get all of the Game Pass stuff that gets upgraded as well and have new resolutions. Cyberpunk, I get all yeah, those Cyberpunk. free updated stuff. Like, I, I have no idea why anybody this holiday yet, because the PlayStation 5 conference is happening on Wednesday, which will have already happened by the time you hear this podcast. But until I see some freaking reasons why to buy the PS5, I have no idea why anybody would not buy 
and Xbox because of Game Pass. Honestly, I just you already not. have a PC with Game Pass. But if you're buying a console, I'm saying take the PC out of the equation, right? Because th- there's nothing on PS5 yet. There's no oh, exclusive. Well, there's nothing until Wednesday. I, we don't know. And, and and George, it's not the same games. There's some Xbox exclusives that the the PC Pass doesn't get. Yes, um, there they, won't be for a while during the launch window, which is why this seem almost seems yeah, like a product not well, for it's us as a target so, demo. No, no, it's but it's compatible with yeah, yeah. older Xbox One stuff and and Xbox. So whatever is on Game yeah. Pass on Xbox One now will be on Xbox Series S and X from day one, which is so many games. A lot of games. A lot of games that I would actually play because the Xbox Arcade was great. A lot of a lot of shit. Well, on the Xbox was fucking phenomenal. And also EA Play. Yeah. Whenever you think of EA games, EA Play is also now going to be a part of Xbox Game Pass. So if you buy Xbox Game Pass, you get all the EA games on EA Play. So all the people who play Madden and FIFA and whatever, why would they when they get the game for free if you just buy a console, right? I, I feel like this is not for me because I'm way too hardcore of a super big dick gamer. Because I already have the the expensive gaming PC, and that it's this is for normies. Yeah, but yeah, I, I and I get it. The th- the three of us, maybe me, yeah, normies. Maybe this, for this me, this seems like a product not for me as a target demo. Yeah, I don't have yeah. the most powerful yeah. of PCs, but in terms of people buying, th- like, what reason right now? One, you don't know how expensive the PS Five is going to be. It's going to be at least five hundred dollars. That's for sure. That's I can't sure. wait for it to be $498 and they're going to announce it launching on November 9th. I can't wait for them to say it's going to be $699 and they're going to try and justify no! it as a boutique <laughs> special thing because that's Sony. No, but it's going to be the vibe. It's going to be that, the vibe. I wonder how that would go. I wonder. Why would you buy? What What reason would you buy a PS5 right now? What reason? Uh, like, I, I'm saying this. On, I don't know why I keep repeating Oh, I'm not going to buy it. I, yeah. I agree with you. I'm not going to get an Xbox. Because, no, because I know what's going to happen on Wednesday. I know what's going to happen in two days time, which is two days prior to, you know, when everyone's <laughs> hearing this. Final Fantasy 16 have been announced. Fucking Bloodborne 2 will have been announced. Fucking all of these games will have been announced by Wednesday, just out of spite of me saying Bloodborne this. Bloodborne 2. But if Wednesday sucks, here we go. This is choose path A or choose path B. If Wednesday sucks and no good exclusives were announced, and the price is $500 or more, don't buy a PS5 this holiday if you're buying a console. Path B, if they announce a load of great exclusives, and I was right all along, <laughs> and it's four ninety nine. totally buy a PS5. I don't know. What do you want from me? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Demon Souls remake. Xbox, oh, oh, literally as we happened, a tweet just happened, right? So, uh-huh. Xbox confirming <laughs> that is... Game Pass Ultimate subscription, you will get the following. 100 plus Xbox games to play on Xbox Series X consoles. X Cloud to support playing on devices that have it if you have the subscription already. And it's $15 a month. That is insane. Low cost to play anything you want to play, especially new games. That's a low cost. You don't even have to buy a game. You don't have to buy. You buy a, an Xbox yeah, on the day of launch. You don't even have to buy a game. You just buy. You spend fifteen dollars, which is cheaper than most games, and you get a hundred games on day one. It's it's crazy. Oh, man, Xbox Game Pass. Uh, it's been it's been going up, man. <laughs> it's been going up in value. Five dollars. 
five dollars is all I pay to be able to play whatever. Yeah, it's but pretty crazy. I, I could see why people buy the Xbox. I am probably gonna be with George here and not buy one, but I can totally see why people get an Xbox, especially for three hundred dollars. I mean, that's pretty cheap. I, that's the thing is, I don't particularly want a next gen console, but for three hundred dollars, I'm. I mean, what have I got to lose? You know, what? Like, what one, one, one thing I think to consider here is that when looking at the the tech specs for what you get for the five hundred dollar one, like you need a really expensive TV to make use of that five hundred dollars. Yeah, and I doubt I'll have a an eight K one hundred twenty FPS TV for as many years as it's going to take for that $500 uh, box to decrease down to like three. I think if you've got a 4K TV, you should buy a Series X because it's native 4K, whereas, you know, the Xbox Series S is upscaling or up-resing, whatever the correct term is. Mm-hmm. So it's 1440p and then, you know, it up to 4K, same as like how the Switch does its 1080, 720p or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Game, Xbox Game Pass is it's just an incredible value for money. I am looking at the list of games that are on it right now, and it it's not like traditional subscription services of games have been shit, right? Like, why would I want to play Mortal Kombat 9 six years after it launched, right? Xbox Game Pass is like, hey, we're all playing Crusader Kings 3. How did that happen? Well, it's because it was free on Xbox Game Pass. Free, quote unquote. Free, quote unquote, of course. But as in, there's no barrier to entry. I mean, $5. It's not always $5. It's going, it's going up in price. It is going up in price. They, they, they might have jacked up your $5 subscription by now for sure. What do you mean? That's the, that's the price of it. That was a temporary sale. No, that was the $1 thing. No, it, it is going up in price. It's going up to $15. Oh, going up. Oh, it's ending. It is. A little promotion. Yeah. Things. Okay. So, no. So, the PC Game Pass beta was $1. And then the Xbox Game Pass was $5. So, if you're paying on Xbox, you're paying $5 anyway. Paying on PC, you're paying $1 for a while. Now, both are now the Xbox, the Xbox Ultimate Game Pass. Both of them are the same. And it's $15. No. Which still is an incredible value for money. Obviously, it's not $5, which, you know, sucks. But... So what I've been doing is canceling and resubscribing when they do their sales and promotions. I, I do that with like Amazon Prime. Yeah, and I have to keep messaging you being like, George, please, can you turn Game Pass back on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, like I do that. I, I will strategically cancel subscriptions based on what value uh, I can get out yeah. of promotions and trials. And the all old that. Netflix days of 30... 30, 30 free days. Yeah. I mean, if they're sell- if they're offering it, you might as well take advantage of it. True that. Wow. We went on for a while. Uh, let's at least do one quick listener question. Yep. This one comes in from Massimar, who is the MLG Pro Worm Ninja Roper. Like, what? A testament to how high of a skill ceiling that game has is seeing this guy play it in particular. Maybe, maybe some some emotions about how much this person has learned about Worms Armageddon is coming through this question here. Do you ever feel that when you mostly discover everything there is to discover in a game, that it kind of becomes solved and loses its magic? Like it's not a strange fantasy world anymore, but just a bunch of systems that you can see through, like Neo sees the Matrix code. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you kind of learn everything. You're just like, oh. It happened to me with Hunt Showdown. I, I, I gradually like 
started thinking of the decision matrices as I was playing. And it seemed like there was a quantifiably better decision to make for all the situations the game throws at you. And so long as you make the correct decision, you're going to have a good round. And it made it less unpredictable and emergent as my as I climbed that learning curve to reach 300 hours. At that point, I can't really complain. But yeah, I've seen this happen most recently with Hunt Showdown. 300 hours, though. Dude, though, oh, that game is so... And you can't finish Persona. <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's not loving me as much it's just yeah yeah yeah. no mess with you i I, i'm sure i'm sure that some random event from my childhood 30 years ago is is butterflying effect into my preferences now and that i i i i I can't help it it was my background it was my my education i i would like to say for for me it's not always the case sometimes i end up loving a game more now that i know everything Mm mm-hmm MGS three, MGS three, yeah, yeah. You know, you 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 go back to it, and you might play it again because you love it. Like I, I love Hollow Knight and and or in the Blind Forest, the first one. Not to say anything about it. I was like, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I I really love those games, and like learning a bunch of stuff about them, it it just makes it fun to play through again. I Gears of War is another thing. Being able to do things that people just jumping in wall bouncing and all that stuff people are like wait wait what what are you doing and you just it's just kind of automatic for you because you've been doing it for years you know it's there's like a positive spin on that what about you liam this is interesting um yeah i you mean, make games yeah so that as i was talking about prince pusher it's easy to see Games definitely lose their magic when you work in games <laughs> because it's like that playing sucks. ring fit i was playing ring fit today during my daily exercise, and I was literally wondering in my head, I wonder how big the actual map is, because you're on a linear run path. So I wonder how much they're trying to save on resources by building the map and then disguising where the boundaries of the earth are. That's the kind of stuff you think about when you design games. But in terms of losing magic, I, I definitely get it. There are not that many games I finish, let alone games I 100% and find everything about since I was a kid. Resi 4 is one of them that I just know everything about that game. But the one thing that sticks in my head, and this is, you, you know, laugh at me all you want but obviously i used to play a lot of fifa and the one thing about sports games is when you start them it feels like you could do anything you could do in the real sport right oh no but they're still computer games so and that's the thing is playing fifa the things you think in your head you could do like in real soccer football in fifa you very the more you play the more you realize when something is impossible when the computer just won't do it, and when is the situation that you're going to score? Because the, it is it is computed, it is a video game. So you know if you stand in a certain spot and the and the goalkeeper's in another, you're, you're going to score every time. It's there's no wind, there's no there's nothing that affects it like real sports. So you understand the limitation. Like there are times when the ball goes in the air, and you know exactly where the ball's going to land because of the limitations of the kick. And it's interesting to see because then you're not really playing soccer, you're playing a video game. And that's interesting because you're you're splitting your brain between how you feel about soccer as a, a and how you're good at that and then you're also like, well, this is still a video game, so I need to be in the prime opportunities to do this. They might be incredible replications of real sport, but they are limited. And you definitely the more you play of games like that, the more you see it. Like there are a couple of editions of FIFA where you know you can't shoot from a certain distance because it won't go in. It's like impossible. It's coded not to go in no matter what you do. So if you try it a thousand times in real life, 
you might do it because there's always that probability. But in a video game where it's programmed to be a certain way or it's scripted to be a certain way, it won't work. So it is interesting to see something natural and then see the video game version of it and see those limitations. Um, that's the one that stuck in my head immediately. Um, but that's not losing its magic. That's just realizing it's not a sport and it's a video game. <laughs> yeah. I uh, would be interested to revisit this question if we end up playing more of Crusader Kings. Because I see it happening there in the game where I'm like trying to save scum and min-max everything. Is, yeah, uh, I've started watching a lot of YouTube videos about Crusader Kings and I do feel it a little bit like I know more and more and I'm like, mm, a bit of the mystery is leading, yeah. is leaving me a little bit. I almost don't want to know as much about the math behind how your fun, silly emergent story comes about because that does demystify it. Yeah, I don't want to be good at a strategy game. I want to be... <laughs> I want to enjoy having the stories that I told you today. Like, that's what I want to happen. I want that kind of shit to be thrown in my face. And I don't want to be mid-maxing, like, taking the Vatican to task or something like that. It's such a unique video game-specific problem. Like, this conflict between immersion and systemic mastery. Do you want to pretend like you're there or pretend that you're really good at the video game you're playing? Yep. Yep. What other medium has that problem, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... It's it's like sitting down to a movie and being like, yeah, I'm immersed in a film, but I just noticed that that street Ooh. avenue is a place I've been to in real life. And that is not how it looks. And like that kind of feeling Ooh. where you're reading yeah. between the lines. Uh, come to think of it, I guess this is a thing that does happen in movies because you can watch movies totally for the cinematography and just that alone. Or you can like you can appreciate a good yeah, I'm movie. I'm sure like you like people who do like Matt obviously looking at some films would be like, oh, I know what camera they fucking used to do that because only this yeah. certain camera can do that, which makes you immediately you're pulled out of the movie watching experience because you're like, oh yeah, it's not reality. It's not. <laughs> I, I so so I'm gonna walk that one back. This isn't unique to video games, but it is a super duper interesting. It is something conundrum. that happens fairly often in video games. If I feel that conundrum, I feel like I'm doing something right, because that means I'm learning, you know? Nice. That was a nice one to end on. The magic of reality and the fake magic of video games. Thank you. Thank you guys for for uh, joining us once again for another another Dad and Sons. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Shout outs to Ryan Lafford for the music and Henry Ng for the video background. Please keep our Patreon in mind if you would like access to this Discord to play games with us. Did our worms stories sway you? Because they should have. <laughs> and have a wonderful week. See ya. Bye-bye.